Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. With you, I love God's word. I love what it's done in my life. I love what it's done in the lives of other people. And um, Pastor Peter this morning prophesied a little bit over me saying, you know, my gift is like unwrap a package, you know. And, um, and I think that hopefully that's what I'm going to do tonight. I'm going to unwrap a little bit of the Bible for you. And um, I want by the end that um, not only will you maybe have learned something you didn't know before, but you'll be encouraged in your faith and in what you face in your own life. So that's my prayer. Question, what makes you laugh out loud? Lol, laugh out loud. What makes you laugh out loud? Maybe it's a good meme. Next one. Next one. Maybe that makes you laugh out loud. What about a good joke? Pastor Peter told one the other night at a dinner I was at with him and some other people. He said, what's the difference between a booger and broccoli? And we're all like, oh, don't know. He goes, there's only one of them that a 10-year-old boy will eat. <laughs> Ka-ching, psh. He was laughing his head off. Thought it was funny. Even though he told the joke. Maybe um, a funny video will make you laugh out loud. You might have seen this one before. Hi, Charlie. Charlie bit me. I think my favourite part of the video is after he bites and the little brother just like, <laughs> funniest thing I've ever done. Um, what about um, sometimes um, things kids might say to you? I was uh, teaching a couple of years ago, year five, six class, and I'd been to the hairdresser and I'd been quite dark for a while and I'd gone back to sort of a bit more blonde. And um, I walked into class that day and all the girls in my class went, oh, Mrs T, your hair looks amazing. And it looks so nice. And I said, oh, thank you, like this. And then George walks in. And George says, to, looks at me, just looks, just says this. He goes, what have you done with your hair? <laughs> and I said, George, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. Sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down. I'm about to save you thousands of dollars in marriage counseling later on in life. When your wife comes home and, tell, and has had her hair done, do not say, what have you done with your hair? Say, that looks lovely, darling. 
All his friends were going, oh, George, you're going to get married. George just sat there. He didn't have a clue what I was talking about. It just went straight over his head. What makes you laugh out loud? What about the Bible? Anything in the Bible ever made you, lol, so funny? Hmm, maybe not. Maybe we've been challenged. Maybe we've been like far out. Maybe we've been amazed. But have we ever laughed out loud? Not classically known for being a book that does that. But I read a story over summer in the Old Testament that made me laugh out loud. So I want to share that story with you tonight. We're just going to tell the story. I'll just add a few things in here and there to help you out. So the story's in 2 Kings, chapter 6, verses 8 to 23. We're going to use, a little bit for the same reasons that Pastor Peter used the message this morning, we're going to use the message tonight also. I just find when you're telling a story and it's a narrative that Eugene Peterson just has a way of putting it in a nice sort of lyrical way. There's nothing changed with the meaning. I've checked other translations. It's all good. All right, so we're going to use the message tonight to tell the story. So the background to this story is what you've got to understand is that we're in the time in Israel's history now where there are two kingdoms. You had King David, King Solomon, and then after that, his sons had a scrap about the throne. And so the kingdom split into the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. The, the northern kingdom was called Israel. This is, if you're reading 2 Kings first, because this gets really confusing if you don't understand this, all right? The northern kingdom was called Israel, and its capital was called Samaria. The southern kingdom was called Judah, and its capital was Jerusalem, okay? Now, in the southern kingdom, there were some God, good and godly kings over a period of time, um, but mostly evil kings. In the northern kingdom, they were just all evil, all right? So all evil kings. But in both kingdoms, God put prophets in these places to speak God's words and thoughts to the people, to give them warnings. Say, come on, guys, turn around, turn back. Give them a chance to turn things around. Otherwise, they were going to be conquered and destroyed. That's what God was basically telling them. So this story is set in the northern kingdom, okay? The characters in this story, there are three main ones. There's King Jehoram. He's the evil king of Israel. There is Elisha, God's prophet, um, and you'll hear him referred to in our story as the holy man. So we could all go, ooh, when we hear that, the holy man. That's Elisha. And then there's Elisha's servant, and then there's the king of Syria. All right, so that's my four main people. All right, before we get too far into it, I'm going to stop and pray. Okay. Father, God, I pray tonight that as we dig into your word, God, that you would open our eyes that you would open our ears, that our hearts would be soft to what you want to say to us. And God, help me. Amen. Okay, you ready? Yeah. All right, let's go. So, the first thing that happens in verses 8 through 10, I'm just going to read them. Hopefully they'll be up on the screen. One time, when the king of Aram, that's Syria, was at war with Israel, after consulting with his officers, he said, at such and such a place, I want an ambush set. The holy man, Elisha, sent a message to the king of Israel. Watch out when you're passing this place, because Aram has set an ambush there. So the king of Israel sent word concerning the place of which the holy man had warned him. This kind of thing happened all the time. 
So Syria had made peace with Israel, but for some unknown reason, they make war with Israel again, and they start sending these little raiding parties in to different parts of Israel, just trying to make trouble. But here's the cool thing. God was telling Elisha prophetically where these places were that the, that the raiding parties were going to attack. And he'd just tell the king of Israel, don't go there. And so they wouldn't. And so every time the king of Syria and his armies turned up to like raid a little bit, there was no one there. It was like, oh my goodness. I mean, Elisha becomes like the best line of defense for Israel. Verse 11. The king of Aram was furious over all this. He called his officers together and said, tell me who is leaking information to the king of Israel. Who is the spy in our ranks? I actually was thinking of Donald Trump when I read this. I was like, you know, he's got leaks all over the place at the White House, probably doing the same thing. Who's leaking? Who's telling the secrets out to the Washington Post or wherever it's going? Same thing. Because the venue of these sneaky raids kept being discovered all the time, the king of Syria can only assume that there's a leak in his court. Someone's, someone's telling him. Verse 12. But one of his men said, No, my master, dear king, that's groveling so he doesn't get his head chopped off saying this, <clears throat> it's not any of us. It's Elisha, that prophet in Israel. He tells the king of Israel, Everything you say even what you whisper in your bedroom. I mean, that's funny. This guy can't even whisper, go over to that place and make a raid. Because God knows and God hears and he lets Elisha know and Elisha lets the Israel army know and the raid fails. Verse 13, the king said, Go and find out where he is. I'll send someone and capture him. The report came back. He's in Dothan. How many of you know trying to silence prophecy is a really dumb idea? Really dumb idea. Now, Dothan is a really interesting place. I actually did some research on this, read some archaeological papers, and uh, what I found out was this. Dothan was like a little city. If you imagine the keyboard stands, platforms up there, like a little hill, all right? The scale, to scale, all right? It was bigger, to scale. <clears throat> and on that hill was a whole lot of little houses, right? Dothan. Now, around Dothan was like an amphitheater of mountains, of hills, right around and there was a gap between these hills at the north. That was the only place you could get in and out. Okay? And you might think, why are you telling me that, Shelley? Wait, it's going to be really important later. All right. Verse 14. Then he, that's the king of Syria, dispatched horses and chariots, an impressive fighting force. They reckon maybe 300 soldiers in their chariots and whatnot. They came by night and surrounded the city. <laughs> they came by night. King of Syria trying to be sneaky again. All right, come by night for a night raid. And Elisha and his servant looked like, because that's where they were, Elisha and his servant were in Dothan, looked like 
There was no way out. Let's keep going. Verse 15. Early in the morning, a servant of the holy man got up and went out. Surprise! Horses and chariots surrounding the city. The young man exclaimed, Oh, master, what shall we do? Is that not how most of us would respond? If we came out of our house in the morning and we looked up at the mountains around us and we saw chariots and horses and soldiers, would we not go running back and going, oh my God, it's surrounded. What are we going to do? And panic. I love Elisha's response. Verse 16. He says, don't worry about it. Why, why would he say, don't worry about it? You're nearly there. If God had shown Elisha all those other times where those raiding parties were going to come, God had already shown Elisha that those dudes were outside on the hills. So when he walks out, the servant's freaking out, and Elisha's going, don't worry about it. I already knew. And here's the really cool bit, verse 16. Real key verse. There are more on our side than there are on their side. NIV says it this way. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now, all the servant can see is the Syrian army. And I think he probably went, I think I probably would, what the flip are you on about, Elisha? Because all I can see is Syrian chariots and horses surrounding us. That's all I can see. It's almost like he's, (laughs) yeah, not really helping Elisha, still freaking out internally. Yeah, still might die. Okay. Just a quick time out from the story. When I first read this, it's like the Holy Spirit was just dropping stuff left, right, and center on me. I wonder how many of us have ever come out of our metaphorical house in the morning and looked at what surrounds us and freaked out. My God, what? I'm surrounded. I've got this, I've got this, I've got this, I've got this. I'm surrounded. What am I going to do? Any of you ever felt like that? It's not just me? Yeah? You might be surrounded by your circumstances. You might be surrounded by people who are out to make your life difficult. You, you might be in such a way, you just don't know what the way out is. And we do what the servant did, right? We go, ah! I'm surrounded. What am I going to do? And if you've ever been there, then listen up. Because the next bit of the story is even cooler. So, what we need in a time like that, what the servant needed right then and there, he needed a different picture. He needed a different vision. He needed something that was going to show him that what Elisha had said, don't worry about it, there are more on our side than on their side, was actually true. Read verse um, 17. I just read my own instruction to myself. That was good, wasn't it? Read verse 17, shall we? (laughs) 
Good one. Then Elisha prayed. Oh God, open his eyes and let him see. Open his eyes and let him see. The eyes of the young man were opened and he saw a wonder. The whole mountainside was full of horses and chariots of fire surrounding Elisha. I just, I just want you to get like, I did my little run around there. So around the, around the side of the mountain were the Syrians, but behind them was God's army. And that's what Elisha saw. That's what the servant couldn't see. And isn't it true that when we find ourselves in that circumstance where we come out of our house and we look surrounded and we like freaking out, we need someone who can prophetically go, Shelly, there is more that surround them than what you think you're surrounded by. God is here. So, thing is, Elisha had seen these flaming horses and chariots before. When his mentor, Elijah had been taken up to heaven. He didn't even die, Elijah. He was just like, heaven. Amazing. He'd experienced the same supernatural intervention of God. He'd seen it before. It wasn't like a surprise to him. And he's just like, all he had to pray was just open his eyes. Let him see what I see. Stephen Furtick has a really awesome quote. says this, the very thing that was meant to destroy you may be the thing God uses to deliver you. Trust him to turn it around and make it work in your favor. When you really embrace the will of God for your life, the enemy's greatest attack, I love this bit, can become faith's greatest advantage. How awesome is that? Sometimes we get so caught up in our circumstances, we get so caught up on what we think is surrounding us that that's our only focus. It's just here, just what we can see in front of us. We're not looking up. We're not looking into the supernatural for what God might be doing. What we need often is someone beside us who's walked a bit of the journey, who's seen a few things, who has some wisdom to offer. And when we go to them, we say, I'm freaking out. I'm surrounded by this thing in my life. And they come alongside and they say, open their eyes and let them see. That's what we need. I remember a time a few years ago now where Tico and I were going through a particularly really difficult time in, in our lives and we really were like, you know, our eyes were just on what was going on. And we were in farmers of all places. God moves in farmers, do you know that? It's like crazy. We were in farmers and I sort of wandered off to look at earrings or something and, and I saw this lady, this older lady come over and start talking to Tico and I was like, Who's that? I don't even know who that is. So she was finished talking, and I went back over to Tico. I said, who is that? He says, you'll never believe it. So this woman came up to me. I didn't know her at all. She came up to me, and she said, are you a believer? And Tico went, yeah, I am. And she said, God just wants you to know you're the apple of his eye. 
And I, like, this all happened within like 45 seconds. And I looked around for this lady. She was gone. I could not see her anywhere. And just that one prophetic word that came from someone we didn't even know not only changed Tico's perspective on it, but changed mine. Because what we, what we learned in that was that even though this was what we were facing, that God was surrounding what we were facing. So, it might look like, it might look like you're surrounded, but you're surrounded by him. Sing it again. It might look like you're surrounded, but you're surrounded by him. That's the truth. The servant got a new vision for what was actually going on, and that's what we need. But the story doesn't even end there. You think, oh, that's, that's good. We can just stop right there. No, it doesn't even end there. It gets better, it gets funnier. Let me tell you. So the servants got the vision. Now they get the strategy. Verse 18. When the Aramaeans attacked, Elisha prayed to God, strike these people blind. And God struck them blind just as Elisha had said. The NIV says the army started down towards them in Dothan. That's why I reckon they were up on the hills a bit, right? And then their chariots, and they start coming down. And Elisha goes, strike them blind. And they were blind. They pull their horses and chariots up. (coughs) Yeah, I want you to really get this picture. I need about 10 people up on stage. Quick, anyone in here in a line, 10 people. This is what just had me in fits of laughter when I use my, you know, like God's given us an imagination. And I think sometimes when we read the Bible, we don't apply it. But when we use our imagination, we actually start getting a picture. Oh, you can count. Good, two more. That's awesome. <laughs> we actually start getting a picture of what, of what God is doing. So here's what happens. They're coming down towards us in their chariots. You want to pretend you're on chariots? Right. Woo, stop. Blind them. Right, they're all confused. They don't know what's going on. And then, so, yep, and then Elisha, they can't see Elisha. They don't know it's Elisha. Elisha comes to them and he says, you're in the wrong place. The guy's not here. Follow me and I'll take you to him. (laughs) And so turn around, put a hand on the shoulder in front of you. So this is what Elisha does. He gets them, and he just leads them right where he wants them to go. They have no idea it's Elisha leading them. And he takes them right into the capital of Israel, Samaria, and right into the king's court. And when he gets into the court, he stops Are they banging into each other? Okay. He gets into the court, and then he says, open their eyes. 
And these dudes open their eyes and find themselves in the court of their enemy. Um, I'm pretty sure their first thought would have been, we dead. We are dead. But that's not what happens. It's even better than that. Thank you, guys. That's awesome. Oh. Don't tell me God doesn't have a sense of humor, man. We're made in his image. We've got a sense of humor. That means he's got one too. Right? Let's not act all the time like we're baptized in vinegar. Let's lighten up. Lighten up and sometimes just have a laugh and get our imaginations going. Right? So so they get in there. And then, man, this incredible, hilarious story ends. Verse 20, as they entered the city, Elisha prayed, oh God, open their eyes so they can see where they are. God opened their eyes. They looked around, they were trapped in Samaria. When the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, Father, shall I massacre the lot? Not on your life, said Elisha. You didn't lift a hand to capture them, and now you're going to kill them? No, sir, make a feast for them and send them back to their master. So he prepared a huge feast for them. They ate, they drank their fill, he dismissed them, then they returned to their master. The raiding bands of Aram didn't bother Israel anymore. I love that last line. The vision the strategy, the victory. The vision, the strategy, the victory. God does it all the time. He'll give you a vision of what he's doing. He'll give you a strategy to see it happen. And then he'll give you the victory. He does it all the time. And do you know what I love about that? When he brought them into Samaria, Elisha does the opposite of what they expect. And isn't that what the kingdom of God often, 99.9% of the time is, what they expect to get, they get the opposite. I bet you those guys went back with their tail between their legs to, to Syria going, far out, I thought we were dead, now I've got a full tummy, I'm feeling a bit happy, and, 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 and we're not dead, and, and why am I going to go and try and fight those people again? No way, Jose, not putting myself there again. Amazing. What looked at the beginning, when that servant came out and saw the, that he was surrounded, what looked like disaster was turned into victory. Amazing. Now, amazing story, eh? But if we leave the story just on the page, then we've just wasted about 20 minutes of our life that we'll never get back again. So... I want to read you a couple of verses from Romans 15. It says this. For everything that was written in the past, it's the Old Testament, was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. So here's where we turn the camera away from the story and we turn it on ourselves. I want to tell you a story um, Simeon was about 
maybe three or four years old. For any of you that have had children, you'll know there are days when it's just fantastic. And there are days when it's just not. (laughs) And this was a just not day. I love Simeon, he's awesome. But when he was little, every boundary you stuck near that kid, he would stick his toe over just to see what would happen. And there were days when Tico would come home and he'd just take one look at my face and he would go, come on boys, let's go to the park. Because <laughs> I think mummy might kill you if we stay here. <laughs> but there was this one day, it was in the middle of the day, and I had just had enough. And so I went and I locked myself in my toilet. Simeon was banging on the door, Mum! 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 You know what they're like? I didn't even answer him. And I sat on the toilet and I said this, I remember the words, I said, God, can you please give me a vision for what this child is going to be like when he grows up? Because if you don't show me something right now, I'm going to open that door and I'm going to kill him. As I, God brought the story back to my memory, <clears throat> here's the incredible thing. What God showed me that day, he just gave me a glimpse. And I didn't really understand it at the time. But he just gave me a glimpse of what Simeon was going to be like when he was grown. And do you know what? What I saw, it only occurred to me yesterday, what I saw that day, 17-ish years ago, is what Simeon is today. He's a grown man. He loves God. He's working for God. I didn't see the whole picture, but God gave me a glimpse. I remember I could see his grown face. And do you know what? When we find ourselves in this situation where whatever we're facing in our life, whether it's kids or work or whatever, we need to get a vision for what, actually is going on. Here's the real truth. No matter what circumstances surround me, God surrounds my circumstances. I don't know whether you realize it, but like we're in a battle. We're in a battle. This was a battle story. We're in a battle. And we've got two choices. We can either be sitting ducks and just go, I'm surrounded. I'm going to run back into my house, shut the door, and just wait for calamity to come. But what's the opposite of a sitting duck? A moving target. We can either be sitting ducks or we can be moving targets. Moving targets are agile. They're looking Where is my enemy? What's happening? What's going on? And in the spiritual, God, what's going on in this situation? Show me what's going on. Give me strategy, God. Show me where I need to go, what I need to do in this situation. Give me strategy, because at the end of the day, I know you've got the victory in hand and I'm gonna have the victory too. God, I don't wanna stay in one place. I wanna be a moving target and be agile, because I know I'm in a battle. The battle's never gonna end. 
until Jesus comes again. So we're in a battle. Let's just face it and get on with it. For those of you tonight who, who maybe don't know Jesus as your Saviour, I want to say this to you. The greatest vision God ever had was for you. And the greatest strategy that He used for you was Jesus. He sent His Son to pay the price for your sin, something you could never pay for. So that you could have the victory. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch.